0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marion Brown, Toronto, Canada. THE COUNTRY OF THE POINTED FURS by Sarah Orne Jewett CHAPTER Thirteen, POOR JOANNA One evening my ears caught a mysterious allusion which Mrs. Todd made to Shell Heap Island. It was a chilly night of cold northeasterly rain, and I made a fire for the first time in the Franklin stove in my room, and begged my two housemates to come in and keep me company. The weather had convinced Mrs. Todd that it was time to make a supply of cough-drops, and she had been bringing forth herbs from dark and dry hiding-places until now the pungent dust and odour of them had resolved themselves into one mighty flavour of spearmint that came from a simmering cauldron of syrup in the kitchen. She called it done and well done, and had ostentatiously left it to cool and taken her knitting-work, because Mrs. Fosdick was busy with hers. They sat in the two rocking-chairs, the small woman and the large one, but now and then I could see that Mrs. Todd's thoughts remained with the cough-drops. The time of gathering herbs was nearly over, but the time of syrups and cordials had begun. The heat of the open fire made us a little drowsy, but something in the way Mrs. Todd spoke of Shell Heap Island waked my interest. I waited to see if she would say any more, and then took a roundabout way back to the subject by saying what was first in my mind, that I wished the Green Island family were there to spend the evening with us, Mrs. Todd's mother and her brother William." Mrs. Todd smiled and drummed on the arm of the rocking-chair. "'Might scare William to death,' she warned me, and Mrs. Fosdick mentioned her intention of going out to Green Island to stay two or three days, if the wind didn't make too much sea. "'Where is Shell Heap Island?' I ventured to ask, seizing the opportunity. "'Bears nor' somewheres about three miles from Green Island, right off shore. I should call it about eight miles out,' said Mrs. Todd." "'You never was there, dear. Tis off the thoroughfares and a very bad place to land at best.' "'I should think twas,' agreed Mrs. Fosdick, smoothing down her black silk apron. "'Tis a place worth visitin' when you once get there. Some of the old folks was kind of fearful about it. Twas counted a great place in old Indian times. You can pick up their stone tools most any time if you hunt about. There's a beautiful spring o' water, too.' "'Yes, I remember when they used to tell us queer stories "'about Shell Heap Island. "'Some said 'twas a great banging place for the Indians, "'and an old chief resided there once that ruled the winds. "'And others said they'd always heard "'that once the Indians come down from up country "'and left a captive there without any boat, "'and "'twas too far to swim across to Black Island. "'So called, and he lived there till he perished. "'I've heard say he walked the island after that, "'and sharp-sighted folks could see em and lose him "'like one of them citizens Cap'n Littlepage was acquainted with "'up to the North Pole,' announced Mrs. Todd grimly. "'Anyway, there was Indians. "'You can see their shell heap that named the island. "'And I've heard myself that twas one of their cannibal places, "'but I never could believe it. "'There was no cannibals on the coast of Maine. "'All the Indians of these regions are tame-looking folks.' "'Sakes alive, yes!' exclaimed Mrs. Fosdick. "'ought to see them painted savages I've seen "'when I was young out in the South Sea Islands. "'That was the time for folks to travel "'way back in the old whalin' days. Whalin must have been dull for a lady, "'hardly ever makin' a lively port, "'and not takin' in any mixed cargoes. said Mrs. Todd. "'I never desired to go a whalin' voyage meself. "'I used to return feelin' very slack and behind the times, "'tis true,' explained Miss Fosdick. "'but twas excitin', and when we always done extra well "'and felt rich when we did get ashore. "'I liked the variety. "'There how times have changed, "'how few seafarin' families there are left. "'What a lot of queer folks there used to be about here anyway "'when we was young, Al "'Everybody's just like everybody else now, "'nobody to laugh about and nobody to cry about. "'It seemed to me that there were peculiarities of character "'in the region of Dunnit Landing yet,' But I did not like to interrupt, yes, said Mrs. Todd, after a moment of meditation. There was certain a good many curiosities of human nature in this neighborhood years ago. There was more energy then, and in some the energy took a singular turn in these days. The young folks is all copycats, fraid to death, they won't be all just alike. As for the old folks, they pray for the advantage of being a little different. I ain't heard of a copycat this great many years. "'said Mrs. Fosdick, laughing. "'Twas a favourite term of my grandfather's. "'No, I wasn't thinking of those things, "'but of them strange strayin' creatures "'that used to rove the country. "'You don't see them now, "'or the ones that used to hive away in their own houses "'with some strange notion or other. "'I thought again of Captain Littlepage, "'but my companions were not reminded of his name, "'and there was Brother William at Green Island, "'whom we all three knew. "'I was talking to poor Joanna the other day, "'I hadn't thought of her for a great while,' said Mrs. Fosdick abruptly. "'Miss Brayton and I recalled her as we sat together sewing. "'She was one of your peculiar persons, wasn't she?' "'Speaking of such persons,' she turned to explain to me, "'there was a sort of a nun or hermit person lived out there for years, "'all alone on Shell Heap Island. "'Miss Joanna Todd her name was, a cousin O. Elmire's late husband.' "'I expressed my interest,' "'but as I glanced at Mrs. Todd, "'I saw that she was confused by sudden affectionate feeling "'and unmistakable desire for reticence. "'I never want to hear Joanna laughed about,' she said anxiously. "'Nor I,' answered Mrs. Fosdick reassuringly. "'She was crossed in love. "'That was all the matter to begin with. "'But as I look back, "'I can see that Joanna was one doomed from the first "'to fall into a melancholy. "'She retired from the world for good and all, though she was a well-off woman. All she wanted was to get away from folks. She thought she wasn't fit to live with anybody, and wanted to be free. Shell Heap Island come to her from her father, and first thing folks knew, she'd gone off out there to live, and left word she didn't want no company. Twas a bad place to get to, unless the wind and tide were just right. Twas hard work to make a landing. "'What time of year was this?' I asked. "'Very late in the summer,' said Mrs. Fosdick. "'No, I never could laugh at Joanna as some did. "'She set everything by the young man, "'and they were going to marry in about a month, "'when he got bewitched with a girl way up the bay, "'and married her, and went off to Massachusetts. "'He wasn't well thought of. "'There were those who thought Joanna's money was what had tempted him. "'But she'd given him her whole heart, "'and she wasn't so young as she had been.' All her hopes were built on marrying and having a real home and somebody to look to. She acted just like a bird when its nest is spoiled. The day after she heard the news she was in dreadful woe, but the next she came to herself very quiet and took the horse and wagon and drove fourteen miles to the lawyer's and signed a paper giving her half of the farm to her brother. They never had got along very well together, but he didn't want to sign it, till she acted so distressed that he gave in. Edward Todd's wife was a good woman, who felt very bad indeed, and used every argument with Joanna. But Joanna took a poor old boat that had been her father's, and loaded in a few things, and off she put all alone, with a good land breeze, right out to sea. Edward Todd ran down to the beach, and stood there crying like a boy to see her go, but she was out o hearin'. she never stepped foot on the mainland again long as she lived. How large an island is it, "'How did she manage in winter?' I asked. "'Perhaps thirty acres, rocks and all,' answered Mrs. Todd, "'taking up the story gravely. "'There can't be much of it that the salt spray don't fly over in storms. "'No, tis a dreadful small place to make a world of. "'It has a different look from any of the other islands. "'But there's a sheltered cove on the south side, "'with mud flats across one end of it at low water, "'where there's excellent clams.' and the big shell heap keeps some of the wind off a little house her father took the trouble to build when he was a young man. They said there was an old house built of logs there before that, with a kind of natural cellar in the rock under it. He used to stay out there days to a time, and anchor a little sloop he had, and dig clams to fill it and sail up to Portland. They said the dealers always gave him an extra price. The clams were so noted. Joanna used to go out and stay with him. They were always great companions, so she knew just what twas out there. There was a few sheep that belonged to her brother and her, but she bargained for him to come and get them on the edge of cold weather. Yes, she desired him to come for the sheep, and his wife thought perhaps Joanne had returned, but he said no, and loaded the boat with warm things, and what he thought she'd need through the winter. He came home with the sheep and left the other things by the house, but she never so much as looked out the window." She done it for a penance. She must have wanted to see Edward by that time. Mrs. Fosdick was fidgeting with eagerness to speak. Some thought the first cold snap would set her ashore, but she always remained, concluded Mrs. Todd soberly. "'Talk about the men not having any curiosity,' exclaimed Mrs. Fosdick scornfully. "'Why, the waters round Shellheap Island were white with sails all that fall. "'Twas never called no great of a fishing-ground before.' "'Many of them made excuses to go ashore to get water at the spring, "'but at last she spoke to a boatload very dignified and calm "'and said that she'd like it better "'if they made a practice of getting water to Black Island or somewheres else "'and leave her alone, except in case of accident or trouble. "'But there was one man who had always set everything by her from a boy. "'He'd have married her if the other hadn't come about and spoiled his chance, "'and he used to get close to the island before light, on his way out fishing, and throw a little bundle way up the green slope front of the house. His sister told me she happened to see, the first time, what a pretty choice he made of useful things that a woman would feel lost without. He stood off fishing and could see them in the grass all day, though sometimes she'd come out and walk right by them. There was other boats nearer, out after Mackerel, but early next morning his present was gone. He didn't presume too much, but once he took her a nice furkin o' things he got up to Portland, and when spring came he landed her a hen and chickens in a nice little coop. There was a good many old friends had Joanna on their minds. Yes, said Mrs. Todd, losing her sad reserve in the growing sympathy of these reminiscences, how everybody used to notice whether there was smoke out of the chimney. The Black Island folks could see her with their spyglass, and if they'd ever missed getting some sign of life they'd have sent notice to her folks. "'But after the first year or two, Joanna was more and more forgotten as an everyday charge. "'Folks lived very simple in those days,' you know,' she continued, "'as Mrs. Fosdick's knitting was taking up much thought at the moment. "'I expect there was always plenty of driftwood thrown up, "'and a poor phalan patch of spruces covered all the north side of the island, "'so she always had something to burn. "'She was very fond of working in the garden ashore,' "'and that first summer she began to till the little field out there "'and raised a nice parcel of potatoes. "'She could fish, of course, and there was all her clams and lobsters. "'You can always live well in any wild place by the sea "'when you'd starve to death up-country, except berry-time. "'Joanna had berries out there, blackberries at least, "'and there was a few herbs in case she needed them. "'Mullein in great quantities.' and a plant of wormwood I remember seeing once when I stayed there, long before she fled out to Shell Heap. Yes, I recall the wormwood, which is always a planted herb, so there must have been folks there before the Todd's Day. A growing bush makes the best gravestone. I expect that wormwood always stood for somebody's solemn monument. Catnip, too, is a very enduring herb about an old place. "'What I wanted to know is what she did for other things,' interrupted Mrs. Fosdick. "Almari, what did she do for clothing when she needed to replenish, or risin' for her bread, or the peace-bag that no woman can live long without?' "'Or company,' suggested Mrs. Todd. "'Joanna was one that loved her friends. There must have been a terrible sight of long winter evenings that first year.' "'There was her hens,' suggested Mrs. Fosdick, after reviewing the melancholy situation.' "'She never wanted the sheep after that first season. "'There wasn't no proper pasture for sheep "'after the June grass was past, "'and she ascertained the fact "'and couldn't bear to see them suffer. "'But the chickens done well. "'I remember sailing by one spring afternoon "'and seeing the coops out front of the house in the sun. "'How long was it before you went out with the minister? "'You were the first ones that ever got ashore to see Joanna.' "'I had been reflecting upon a state of society,' which admitted such personal freedom and a voluntary hermitage there was something medieval in the behaviour of poor joanna todd under a disappointment of the heart the two women had drawn closer together and were talking on quite unconscious of a listener poor joanna said mrs todd again and sadly shook her head as if there were things one could not speak about i called her a great fool declared mrs fosdick with spirit but I pitied her then, and I pity her far more now. Some other minister would have been a great help to her, one that preached self-forgetfulness and doin' for others to cure our own ills. But Parson Dimmock was a vague person, well-meaning, but very numb in his feelins. I don't suppose at that troubled time Joanna could think of any way to mend her troubles except to run off and hide." "'Mother used to say she didn't see how Joanna lived "'without nobody to do for, "'getting her own meals and tending her own poor self "'day in and day out,' said Mrs. Todd sorrowfully. "'There was the hens,' repeated Miss Fosdick kindly. "'I expect she soon came to making folks of them. "'No, I never went to work to blame Joanna, as some did. "'She was full of feelin', "'and her troubles hurt her more than she could bear. "'I see it all now, as I couldn't when I was young.' "'I suppose in old times they had their shut-up convents for such folks,' said Mrs. Todd, "'as if she and her friend had disagreed about Joanna once, and were now in happy harmony. "'She seemed to speak with new openness and freedom. "'Oh, yes, I was only too pleased when the Reverend Mr. Dimmock invited me to go out with him. "'He hadn't been very long in the place when Joanna left home and friends. "'Twas one day that next summer after she went— and I had been married early in the spring. He felt that he ought to go out and visit her. She was a member of the church, and might wish to have him consider her spiritual state. I wasn't so sure of that, but I always liked Joanna, and I'd come to be her cousin by marriage. Nathan and I had conversed about going out to pay her a visit, but he got his chance to sail sooner than he expected. He always thought everything of her, and last time he came home, knowing nothing of her change, "'He brought her a beautiful coral pin from a port he'd touched at somewhere up the Mediterranean. "'So I wrapped the little box in a nice piece of paper and put it in my pocket. "'We picked her a bunch of fresh lemon balm, and off we started.' "'Mrs. Fosdick laughed. "'I remember hearing about your trials on the voyage,' she said. "'Why, yes,' continued Mrs. Todd in her company manner. "'I picked her the balm, and we started.' Why, yes, Susan, the minister liked to have cost me my life that day. He would fasten the sheet, though I advised against it. He said the rope was rough and cut his hand. There was a fresh breeze, and he went on talking rather high-flown, and I felt some interested. All of a sudden there come up a gust. He gave a screech and stood right up and called for help way out there to sea. I knocked him right over into the bottom of the boat, getting by to catch hold of the sheet and untie it he wasn't but a little man. I helped him right up after the squall passed, and made a handsome apology to him, but he did act kind of offended. "'I do think they ought not to settle them landlock folks in parishes where they're liable to be on the water,' insisted Mrs. Fosdick. Think of the families in our parish that was scattered all about the bay, and what a sight of sails you used to see, in Mr. Dimmock's day, standing across to the mainland on a pleasant Sunday morning.' "'filled with church-going folks, "'all sure to want him some time or other. "'You couldn't find no doctor "'that would stand up in the boat and screech "'if a flaw struck her. "'Old Dr. Bennett had a beautiful sailboat, didn't he?' "'responded Mrs. Todd, "'and how well he used to brave the weather. "'Mother always said that in time o' trouble "'that tall white sail used to look like an angel's wing "'comin' over the sea to them that was in pain. "'Well, there's a difference in gifts,' "'Mr. Dimmock was not without light.' "'Twas light o' the moon, then,' snapped Mrs. Fosdick. "'He was pompous enough, but I never could remember a single word he said. "'There, go on, Miss Todd. "'I forget a great deal about that day you went to see poor Joanna.' "'I felt she saw us coming, and knew us a great way off. "'Yes, I seemed to feel it within me,' said our friend, laying down her knitting. "'I kept my seat, and took the boat in shore without saying a word.' There was a short channel that I was sure Mr. Dimmock wasn't acquainted with, and the tide was very low. She never came out to warn us off or anything, and I thought, as I hauled the boat up on a wave and let the Reverend Mr. Dimmock step out, that it was something gained to be safe ashore. There was a little smoke out of the chimney of Joanna's house, and it did look sort of homelike and pleasant, with wild morning glory vines trained up, and there was a plot of flowers under the front window portulacas and things. I believe she'd made a garden once, when she stopped here with her father, and some things must have seeded in. It looked as if she might have gone over to the other side of the island. Twas neat and pretty all about the house, and a lovely day in July. We walked up from the beach together very sedate, and I felt for poor Nathan's little pin to see if twas safe in my dress pocket. All of a sudden Joanna come right to the fore door and stood there, not saying a word. End of chapter 13 Poor Joanna